0: Good morning and a welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We do welcome you back to a very special two-week emphasis on Christmas. Let me share with you a rather interesting story I came across. It's a story from January 12, 2007. January 12, 2007 is the day when a young man by the name of Joshua Bell entered a subway station in Washington, D.C., he was dressed in a long-sleeved t-shirt and jeans. He found a nice place and then took his violin out from his case. He placed the case on the ground in front of him. That way, whoever was passing by could throw donations in if they wished. For the next 45 minutes, Joshua played on his violin. And over those 45 minutes, approximately 1,000 people passed by that day as he uh, played. Most of them paid no attention to him at all. Many were too busy going here or there to notice this man playing a violin. After he finished playing... Joshua collected about $32 from 27 people who had stopped long enough to give a donation. I think, well, not too bad for 45 minutes of playing. But as Paul Harvey might say, let me share with you the rest of the story. Joshua Bell is actually a world-renowned violinist. In fact, just three days before this day in the subway, he had played to a sold out audience at Boston Symphony Hall. The price of the tickets for admission to hear him started at $100 each. The violin that he used in the subway was a rare Stradivarius worth over $3 million. And yet most people did not bother to see him, notice him, or pay attention to him. Most were simply way too busy, way too caught up in the busyness of life to notice. Now, I don't know what your christmas season has been like we know what uh this entire year has been it's been kind of a crazy and hectic year but particularly in the month of december not sure what your december has been like it's maybe been rather crazy maybe it's been rather hectic or exhausting or frustrating and as a result if you and i are not careful we can almost be like some of those people in the subway station passing by without really understanding, without really noticing some of the key things that are happening right around us, particularly as we prepare our hearts for and experience the blessing of Christmas. So let's not miss out on the Christmas season. Let's not miss out on who and what Christmas and the season is about. Ultimately, it's about Jesus Christ. We can get so caught up in all of the other things, the hustle and the bustle of life, we miss out on something so incredibly valuable, and that's Jesus. Let's not miss out on Jesus here in the Christmas season. So last time together, we took a look at a Christmas checklist, getting ready for the season of Christmas. And we looked at Luke chapter 1, and we looked at a number of things from Luke chapter 1 that encourages us in the, the checklist, spiritually speaking, for Christmas. We learn we need to make sure that prayer is a part of our preparations. We're being filled with the Spirit. We're preparing spiritually. We're trusting and believing in Jesus. And then we are obeying Put that into practice. So, we looked at a number of those things on the spiritual checklist from Luke chapter 1. Today, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2, another rather familiar portion of Scripture, as Matthew's Gospel, Luke's Gospel give us an account of the Christmas story, as many times we refer to that. And so, today, I want to share a number of Christmas lessons. As we take a look at a very, very familiar portion of Scripture, what are a handful of lessons, what are a handful of takeaways that you and I can glean from this passage? So Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, lesson 1 is this, understand that God keeps His promises. Aren't you thankful for that? Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, In those days... He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available. Other versions would say, for there was no room for them in the inn. We're all familiar with the scripture portion here today. But lesson number one, the first number of verses points us to this, God is faithful to keep his promises. I'm thankful for that. Even when it seems like maybe nothing is happening, and maybe it's seemed like that in your time and in your life before maybe even in 2020 in a crazy world you look around and you wonder is god faithful is he going to keep his word his promises and the answer is most emphatically yes god is faithful to keep his promises In the Old Testament, there are literally hundreds of promises that you and I can count on. In fact, there's a whole host of them that are actually prophecies about Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus Christ would come to earth as a baby boy in Bethlehem, there were promises, there were prophecies that were uttered and issued and written and spoken. Let me share with you just two of them. These are two of the most familiar, probably two of the most known prophecies about Jesus. But I want to direct your attention to scriptures from the Old Testament, hundreds of years before, and yet we see them faithfully lived out, promises and prophecies that God kept. First of all, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. One you've heard, one we've read. It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with this is a pretty detailed and specific prophecy that a virgin, a woman who had not been with a man, would somehow have a baby. That is impossible unless you're talking about God. See, impossible is possible with God. He's a God who not only can make but can keep his promises. So Isaiah seven fourteen mentions about the virgin who would give forth and give birth to a son. Take a look at Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Micah is one of those Old Testament minor prophets. Just a, a handful of chapters. A, it's a smaller book. You might need to use the table of contents to find it. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 says this: But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah. Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Again, well before, hundreds of years before Jesus came to earth, and we read in Luke chapter 2, they were heading where? To Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 mentions Bethlehem. And it says, though you are small, here out of you is going to come one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Well before Jesus Christ came to this earth were promises, were prophecies. And no doubt that the people who would read these kinds of things wondered, exactly what it meant and maybe wondered if or when these would ever take place maybe you have experienced something like that in your life or you're facing something like that at this point in time you're wondering is God going to to rise up on your behalf and somehow stay faithful and I want to encourage you with a yes God is faithful to keep his promises Now, we talk a lot about this, but when God keeps those promises is not always in accordance with our times. These promises literally took hundreds of years to be fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, for some of you, you hear me say hundreds of years, and you say, Pastor Mark, I don't want to wait that long. I don't even want to wait hundreds of days, hundreds of weeks, or hours, or... Even minutes, we we want stuff and we want it now. What God is reminding us, this first lesson as a part of the Christmas story, is that God can be faithful to keep His promises. The timing's not always exactly what we want, but we can count on God. God is faithful to keep His promises. In the midst of what seems like impossibilities, you're telling me. A virgin will give birth to a son? Uh, God, don't you know that is physically impossible? And God says, watch me. Watch what I will do as I will be faithful to the promise I've made. I will be faithful to that promise and that prophecy that I have uttered. And God wants to encourage you and encourage me today in the midst of impossibilities. God is going to be found faithful to keep his promises. We can look through the Word of God and we'll find promise after promise after promise. The, the old song says, Every promise in the book is mine. We chapter every verse, every line. We look and we see God has promised to encourage. God has promised. Opportunities for healing and provision. God has promised to strengthen and support. God has promised peace and comfort. Aren't you thankful that many times in the midst of difficult situations, and certainly as as we come through a Christmas season, Thanksgiving into Christmas into New Year's, holidays, holidays, are times where many times we face and sense loss most specifically. If you've lost a loved one this year or in previous years, many times the holiday seasons, you you really kind of sense that loss. And in the midst of our loss, God through his word has promised comfort. God through his word has promised encouragement. God through his word has promised peace to you and to me and so a very first lesson is that God keeps his promises hundreds of years before promises were made prophecies were given and God fulfilled them God is faithful to keep his promises lesson number two is this know that God uses little things continuing in Luke chapter 2 verse 7 It says that she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Let's stop there. God is able to use little things. He's able to use little possessions. Things that don't seem like a lot, God can use them. We've we've heard about the cloths, or many versions might talk about the swaddling clothes. I don't know about you, it always makes me think about a duck. Maybe I'm just thinking about waddle like a duck, but swaddling clothes, right? Swaddling clothes or cloths, they're basically symbolizing very simple, ordinary, common garments. Now, there's uh, differences of opinion in commentators and and those who would study some of the scholars. Some might say that those uh, garments, if you would, could have been used for the animals. Those are just simply saying those are the average common garments that, uh, that individuals would have. Either way, in today's society, you might say it's more like a dollar store or Walmart version of sheets versus the high thread count of Egyptian cotton found in high-end stores where maybe it's $1,000 for a set of sheets, Right? These cloths, these swaddling clothes, these are the simple, common, ordinary things that average ordinary people would use at that time. Jesus wasn't born in high-thread count Egyptian cotton. It's simply the, the simple cloths. God's able to use simple things, little things, even the little possessions of life to be able to bring honor and glory to him. was able to use little things even like little places we we read the scripture from micah about bethlehem and it said that bethlehem even though you're small among the clans of judah you're not the largest you're not the most well-known city but out of you that's where this ruler that's where this leader that's where jesus is going to come from the birthplace was bethlehem not the largest and most well-known city of the day Aren't you thankful that God can use little things? God can use common, simple places? God can use a place like Alger, Ohio, Hardin County, Ohio, just as much as God can use someone in some place in a big city, in a big state, in a big country, anywhere across the world. God's able to use little things and little places. He was placed in a manger we know what a manger is. We, we sing about it. It's a trough. A, a feeding trough that you would put hay or straw in for animals to eat out of. A, if you think about it in terms of, of a dog, you know, like a dog bowl, it doesn't have the same ring as manger, right? Away in a dog bowl. I mean, it, just, it doesn't have that same ring. A manger is a feeding trough for larger animals. That's where Jesus was placed. Away in a manger, we sing about it. It has this great ring to it, this Christmas ring to it. And it it sounds so special, but it's very, very common, right? A manger, a place that you would put feed for animals. God's able to use the simple and common things of life to be able to share the good news found in His Son, Jesus Christ. The little possessions, the little places, even little-known people. Mary and Joseph. Were they world-renowned anything at the time? They were simple, average, ordinary individuals, more than likely teenagers. And we don't really read anything about them until the angel shows up to Joseph and the angel shows up to Mary. Joseph, a simple carpenter. God's able to use average, ordinary people like you and I. Little possessions, little places, little people. And then who did the angels show up to? Shepherds. Now again, in the stories and in the songs, uh, we know all about the Christmas story, but shepherds were not very high on the wrong or high on the scale of liked, loved, trusted individuals. They had a little bit of a reputation. I mean, they're out in the fields all the time. A little bit of a reputation maybe for swiping and stealing certain things. They were not the most well-known. And yet that's who God sent the angels to share and communicate this message. God's able to use little things. He chose to use Joseph. He chose to use Mary. He chose to send angels to the shepherds. He chose very simple cloths, the manger, Bethlehem. Evangelist Gary Huckabee writes this, Little David was found out in the field. Gideon was found behind the wine press. The great evangelist D.L. Moody was won to Christ by a shoe salesman. If you are a Sunday school teacher, you may only have a little part in God's work, but you may have a D.L. Moody or a Billy Sunday in your class. God uses little places in which to work his will. God loves little places and little people. You may be located on a dead-end street or in some little church in the hills, but God knows where you are and he knows your name. Let him work through you. No matter who we might be, God can choose to use you and I. Allow a big God to use us to be able to do big things for the cause of Christ. Place our life into his hands. He's able to use you and I for his honor and for his glory to accomplish his will. Lesson number three in our Christmas lessons. We're going to skip to verse 12 and we'll come back to 10 and 11. Lesson number three is this, God's presence is most important. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you, the angel said. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. You see, Christmas ultimately is about presents. The presence of God. Now, you and I like the first kind of presents. P R E S E N T, right? Presence. I mean, who doesn't like presents? You enjoy getting presents. You enjoy giving presents. I mean, they're fun. We enjoy being able to give and to receive presents. But presence, the presence of God, is most important. I mean, We love to have fun in in our home with presents. Even, that was a a number of years ago, for whatever reason, um, as Kimmy was gift wrapping the presents, uh, she used two kinds of wrapping paper, and we wrapped all of Autumn's presents in one wrapping paper, all of Brooklyn's presents in another wrapping paper, and put no tags on them. And they were kind of arguing back and forth as to which set of presents they thought was theirs. And that went over so well, and and the next year we we did something else, and the next year something else, and the next year something else. And to where they're getting grown. We've got one in high school, one in middle school. So we've got kind of a complicated code this year. No names on any of the presents. Two different Christmas trees, a bunch of different wrapping papers, different color bows, numbers, and tags with code words. It's fun. I mean, it, it's fun to give gifts and have a little extra fun as we give them. So we love presents, but Christmas is not just about presents, it's about the presence of God. As you see in, in Scripture, it says that the angel of the Lord appeared. God's presence was showing up to the shepherds in and through the angel. And then it said, the glory of the Lord shone around the shepherds. It's God's presence. And then they went to Bethlehem ultimately to, uh, to see baby Jesus, God's son, to be in the presence of his son. We love and we enjoy Christmas for its presence. But have we stopped and paused and made sure that we are seeking out the presence of God? hopefully not just for Christmas Day, hopefully not just during the Christmas season, hopefully not just at the end of the year or the beginning of the year as we close out with Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. Are we focused on getting into God's presence on a regular basis? I mean, Christmas... And that giving of gifts is typically one day during the year. And, and yes, there's birthdays or other special events. There's just a few of those that we emphasize the giving of presents, gifts. But hopefully, on a regular basis, on a weekly and on a daily basis, you and I are investing in the presence. Of the Almighty God. We're spending time in His presence in prayer. We're spending time in His presence by reading the Word of God. Hopefully, it's not been since last Christmas season that we've really slowed down to get into His presence. Because ultimately it's about being in His presence. In the busyness of the Christmas season closing out 2020 and opening up 2021, I want to challenge us to make sure we are carving out some time to be in God's presence. Carve out time on a daily basis to read God's Word. 2021 Bible reading guides available. God's Word devotionals available for you. A whole host of electronic internet and smartphone and apps that are able to help you slow down, spend some time in God's presence in his word and in prayer. Carve out time of worshiping in church. Carve out time maybe to uh, read the Christmas story together as a family or do devotions together or prayer together. Find some ways, find some reasons, find some time to slow down and make sure we're in the presence of God because Christmas ultimately should be about His presence, not just about our gifts and presence. So lesson number three is that God's presence are most important. Make sure that we seek after Him. Lesson number four, good news should be shared. Luke chapter 2, continuing in verse 17, it says, When they had seen him, when the shepherds had seen Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You see, Christmas and this Christmas season, it ought to be about sharing good news with others. What the shepherds did after their visit is they went and they told somebody else. They they told them what they had seen and what they had heard. When we become a Christian, there's that opportunity of of telling somebody else, here's what God has done for me. We follow Christ and, and we want to share with others what God has done. Now there's a lot of things that we enjoy sharing with others and you know you might uh, you enjoy sports and when your sports team wins you find some time to share with others about that sports team or maybe if that other team loses you know there's there's things about sports we enjoy sharing Maybe you you go to a new restaurant or you, you eat something that's particularly good and you want to share with somebody. Man, you never guessed this dessert that I just had, I just made. We went to this place, it was so good. We like to share about things we enjoy. You watch a show or a movie. I mean, there's, there's about 100 Christmas movies, right? I mean, flip on the television at any time of the day, day or night, just about... You know, every other channel is some kind of Christmas movie. And maybe you've got your favorite Christmas movie. For some, maybe it's a little bit more old school, like It's a Wonderful Life. Or maybe it's not quite as old school, but it's a number of years ago. It might be a comedy like Elf. That's on a lot, right? Right? And maybe, maybe for you, it's the latest and greatest Hallmark Christmas movie. Whatever it is, when there's a movie that you love. Oh, this was touching, I gotta tell somebody about it. This was inspirational, I gotta tell somebody about it. Man, this was so funny. You've got to watch this scene. We tell people about things that we enjoy. Maybe you've gone someplace, you you go to a theme park, you you go someplace for a vacation, and you come back and you want to share with somebody, man, guess where we went, guess what we did? And you're showing them on your phone, you're showing pictures. When we think about what God has done for you, what God has done for me, is there a desire to share with others about him? about the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what the shepherds were doing. They're sharing what they had seen and what they had heard. That's what a witness does. A witness in a courtroom, they're called upon to share what they've seen, what they've heard, and they just simply testify to that. Are you and I willing to witness, to share, to let people know what we've seen, what we've heard, what God has done in our lives? That's what we see the shepherds doing. When they had seen him, they spread the word. Some versions would say the shepherds had made it widely known. They didn't just kind of in passing maybe tell one or two people. They were sharing with multiple people. All those they had come in contact, here's what took place. And you'll never guess it. Angels. baby sharing what they'd seen and what they had heard. That was the message. The message was about Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot of great things about Christmas, but ultimately, our message should be centered in and focused upon Jesus Christ. Here's the great news. You and I have got the whole complete package, the whole story about Jesus Christ. The shepherds, they had just a a small portion at that time. What they'd heard from uh, the angels and the instructions and how they went and they saw Jesus. You and I have the entire counsel of God's word and scripture. His birth, his life, teaching, healings, miracles, his death, his resurrection, his uh, ascension into heaven. We've got the complete picture of the good news of jesus are we ready willing and able to share it able to share what god's done in our life maybe for some you know when you gave your life to christ it was a a massive change i mean how many of you and you know don't be too energetic in admitting this but how many of you were quite the scoundrel before christ when Christ came into your life, man, he radically changed and radically transformed your life, and you wanted to share, here's what I used to be, but praise God, he cleansed, he saved me, he forgave me, he gave me a brand new start, and you're sharing the good news of what you've seen and heard and experienced in Jesus Christ. Let's be intentional about sharing. Don't keep the good news to yourself. Let's share it with others. We don't need to have a Bible college degree from a Bible college or university in order to share the good news of Jesus. We can share what we've seen and heard. You don't need to have a a credential or a ministry credential to be ordained or credentialed with the assemblies of God to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Simply share what we've seen and heard and experienced. Uh, There's there's no required courses or classes to be able to take. Now, certainly, the more that we read and study and learn, that's great, but we can simply share what we've seen and heard and experienced, what God has done in our life. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we're reminded of that in the Christmas story. Now, Understand, it's the Holy Spirit who does the work of convicting and and drawing someone to Christ. Chances are, you and I at times, we've wanted to be the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've wanted to take the two-by-four, figuratively and literally instead of spiritually, and you wanted to whack somebody upside the head, a a family member, a a friend, a co-worker, a classmate, a neighbor, and you're you're wanting really almost to kind of shake them and say, hey... Give your life to Jesus. If we would, chances are we would love the opportunity to flip the switch spiritually and to say, I want this person to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. We can't make somebody do that. Our responsibility, it's to go. It's to share that good news. It's the Holy Spirit who works and draws hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. It's God who does that work. But he wants you and I to be able to share. Let us be witnesses, sharing what we've seen and heard and experienced. The good news should be shared. Final lesson for you and I, Today, lesson number five, we're going to jump back up to verses 10 and 11. As we see the angels speaking and sharing with the shepherds, lesson five is this, the good news is for everyone. Verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. That's the good news. And the good news is that the good news is for everyone. The good news of Christmas is Jesus Christ, and he is for everyone. Good tidings of great joy. Now, how many of you, when, when you're shopping, sometimes it seems kind of challenging to find that perfect gift? I mean, you know, when, when we shop for our girls, it was a whole lot easier when they were younger. Because when they're little, you know, you're walking up and down the, uh, the aisles at Walmart or Toys R Us, and, and as Parents, you know, you're in awe of all these toys that could be bought. And you're like, wow, they love this. And, they lo-. and so, you know, you end up, you buy a number of things, you wrap it, and you give it to them. And for the most part, everything you give is awesome. Uh, one, one of our, our favorite memories, and, and we've, we see it on video, but Autumn was, was little. I forget about how old she was, but she was little, and, and she unwrapped some kind of present or toy, and, and her cute little voice said, Oh, it's just what I've always wanted. This big smile followed up with the question, what is it? You know, so when they're, when they're littler, you know, gifts and, and toys from Toys R Us or Walmart, and now as they get a little bit older, it, it's a little bit more difficult, right? Interests and, and desires change, and, and it's a little harder to, to, to go shopping even for clothes for them because they, they've got a little bit more certain specifications of things that they enjoy. And so, you know, they get a little bit older, and we, we start coming up with, uh, why don't you submit some Christmas gifts, you know? Maybe we get some of the things from your list, or maybe we find a few other things not on the list, but help us have a little bit better idea. And how many of you have, you know, you've got family members, spouses, parents? Christmas after Christmas, and birthday after birthday, and anniversary after anniversary, you're constantly trying to look for and find a a good gift to give. The good news is that the gift of Jesus Christ is for everyone. The incredible, incredible news is that though we've sinned, the Bible says we've sinned and we've done wrong and the wages of our sin is death, it says that the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The good news is that the good news of Jesus Christ is for everyone. It doesn't matter who that family member is, who that friend is, who that neighbor, classmate, coworker might be, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that He's come to save, to forgive, to give a brand new star, it is for everyone. He said, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. You don't have to wait for the gift, you don't have to wait for the good news. How many of you love waiting? You know, we've got presents that are gift wrapped under the tree. This is two trees did it this year, with tags and numbers and bows and wrapping paper, and it's driving them crazy. They gotta wait and wait and wait to figure out what's in those presents. Maybe that describes you with gifts around your tree. There's there's no longer a need to wait. The angel's saying today, the Savior is born. Jesus is born. The gift. The good news of Jesus Christ is ready and available today. As you share with a family member, as you share with a classmate, with a co-worker, with a neighbor, the good news is for everyone. It's for today. And then the angel says, a Savior has been born. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. Three terms, three descriptions of who he is. Savior, He's the one who saves. God's salvation, the solution to mankind's problem of sin. The Savior who's been promised and prophesied for hundreds of years. He will save his people from their sins. He's the Messiah. Not not just the baby who's going to grow up and try to save God's people. Not try to save on his own power or connections. Baby Jesus is God's solution, the promised Messiah. God's chosen, God's anointed leader for his people. And he's the Lord. Not just someone sent by God, he is God. Lord himself, Jesus Christ, flesh as he came to earth. He came to be with us, to walk among us, ultimately to die upon the cross for us. He's not a distant God who just goes off and does not desire to be around his people. He came and became one of us to die in our place. The good news, the good news of Jesus is to be shared, but the good news, it's for everyone. A message of Christmas. The lessons of Christmas here in Luke chapter 2 reminds us that God keeps his promises. Reminds us that God is able to use little things for his honor and glory and purpose. Encourages us that God's presence is most important and that the good news of Jesus Christ should be shared because it is for everyone.